Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is a podcast that's here to make your day today better than yesterday. We've been here since 2013, having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, just trying to make your day today better than yesterday. And some of these episodes have happened a while back now. And so, Bree, one of my producers here, said, let's go back and listen to this one because this one's a good one. And so every Wednesday, we we revisit episodes from the back catalogue. And today, we're speaking with Dr. Hannah Carell. Because friendship can be a wonderful thing. But unlike familial relationships or, you know, some romantic relationships, we don't have many, if any, uh, I guess, blueprints to follow when navigating our friendships. You know, the, we see family structures and relationship, intimate relationship structures reflected all the time in uh, culture and popular culture and stories and songs, but very rarely friends, very rarely friends and how to navigate when they are good and when they're not good. Dr. Hannah Carell, who's a clinical neuropsychologist and a registered psychologist with a PhD in neuroscience, qualified, she's actually written a book to help navigate friendships. It's called How to Break Up with friends, because the book helps you figure out if your friendship's, uh, I guess, toxic and what to do if it is. In her book, Dr. Carell describes how, when wrapping up her PhD, she noticed that her friends weren't around as much and they weren't there for her. I wanted to know what, what was happening in her life at the time. So I suppose it was a tough time going through our 20s into our 30s, as you as you'd know. And anyone who's kind of crossed that line of hitting the this invisible line that we suddenly cross and we become 30 and we have these amazing epiphanies that happen when, you know, your digit goes three zero mm. instead of two nine. Going to bed to- at 10 is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 10? I'm in bed at nine. <laughs> <laughs> Something about those milestone birthdays mm. seem to cause us to take stock. And I think for me, I had gone through 12 years at uni and significant moves and traveling around Australia as part of being a registrar and, and relationship breakdowns, like total relationship breakdowns and periods in my life where we have all been there, Osha, where you're, for me, it was laying on the floor in front of the heater with my head on a pillow, just lying there going, what am I doing with my life? Totally alone in the middle of um, Ballarat, freezing cold and just being like, I just feel so terribly, terribly alone. And it was an interesting moment because my life 
had been a lot of people pleasing, I suppose you can say. And I actually I hate that word people pleasing because I think it has a negative connotation to it. It mm-hmm. suggests you're getting walked all over. It suggests that you give yourself too freely and it's something that you're doing wrong that you have to have better boundaries and you need to be more assertive, which is true. But also it's a beautiful thing to be somebody who gives and your default mode is, I want to help you. Let me help you. Let me take the shirt off my back. Let me take the shirt off my mum's back to kind of help you. And that was kind of my default mode. And I know now that a lot of that was from the way that I was raised and my core beliefs that were triggering in me that if I don't give everything to these people, then they're going to leave me. And they're not going to love me and they're not going to be around anymore. Mm. But the real sad reality was that I was allowing people who were quite toxic to stay in my life, hoping that one day with acts of kindness, they were going to suddenly turn around and be like, oh my gosh, Hannah, we really value you and we really want to be around you. And we, um, we want to care for you tenderly like you've done for us. But that didn't happen again and again and again. It didn't happen. And I sort of had this kind of realization that, you know what, being afraid of having no friends is keeping me tied to toxic friends. And there's no space left over to make any other relationships that would actually treat me with the same reciprocal kindness that I was giving. What's toxic friendship look like? (laughs) So I'm a scientist, so I like to boil things down to a formula. And as you said before, nothing is a dichotomy and nothing is ever black and white, but I try to make it as black as white as I could for us to understand these things. I think there's a few fundamentals with friendship that they have to be there. Otherwise it's not a friendship. So for me, I think there's an umbrella under which there's some essential qualities. So the umbrella is reciprocity. You need to have a reciprocal relationship with someone in order to have a relationship with that person. It can't be all give and no take. And I think people get scared with that term because they think that friendship means giving and giving and giving and expecting nothing in return. I find people really resist me when I say, well, you should expect something from your friend in return. They they think that's selfish and they think that's rude and they think that that's not in the true spirit of friendship to even expect something. But the things that you should expect in return are pretty simple. You should expect a friend that you can trust. You should expect a friend that supports you. You should expect a friend that's affectionate around you and uh, doesn't act like a wet mop and make you feel like they don't like you when they're with you. And you should expect a friend who actually respects you as a person and doesn't feel like you're beneath them in some way, that they're smarter than you, they're more affluent than you, that they're more successful than you, that their opinion is worth more than your opinion. And if trust, affection, respect respect and support, if any of those elements are missing, then that's going to insidiously eat away at the friendship and cause feelings like I'm worthless I'm being rejected, I'm being excluded, I'm being treated toxically and unfairly and hurt you. And in the long term, the science is pretty clear, that actually has a significant impact on your health, your physical and mental health for the rest of your life to the point that it can actually increase the likelihood that you die sooner and that you get dementia. It's crazy. And this is for friendship. This is specific to friendship. So... When it comes to popular culture, I spoke about it earlier, you know, we see romantic relationships reflected in popular culture and all all of us know that life isn't, if you're married or have a long-term partner, it's not a rom-com, not at all. But we don't see that really on the TV or in films or in songs. Uh, What about friendships? Are there unrealistic depictions of friendship in our culture? 
I think that we are really wedded to some unhealthy expectations about the individual, especially in Western society, this idea that as an individual, you only have some worth if you are popular, if you are wealthy, if you have a partner, and this really entrenched fear that we have of being alone, being alone with your own thoughts, being alone with your own emotions, and this relationship that we have with our emotions, because you have a relationship with your emotions. If you picture your emotions in your own body for a second, most of the time when I talk, tell people to picture your emotions in your body, they imagine like maybe a black or a gray part of themselves, which represents their anger, their fear, their crippling anxiety, that feeling in the middle of the night or in the evening when you're sitting on the couch and you feel like you're falling apart and like you're totally alone. And they hate that part of themselves. They hate it. And their relationship with their feelings is that I hate you and I want you to disappear. But in actual fact, those feelings were never there to hurt you. They're there because they love you. They're there because they will never, ever give up on you. They will always mark and flag to you when something is wrong in your life to protect you. And they won't stop for a second of a minute. They will not stop because they love you so much that they will not allow you to settle for the life that you don't deserve. And what people kind of grow to feel like is inappropriate is being sad, being anxious, sitting with those feelings and talking with them listening to them, telling, asking them, what is it that you need to tell me about what's going on in my life that's not okay? And that involves being alone. That involves sitting with yourself. That involves talking with yourself, being your own best friend, as cliched as that sounds. It's a cliche for a reason because you need to know what's going on in your heart. You need to listen to your gut instinct about what's right for you, what's wrong for you, and what's in your best interest for the long term. And if you can't sit alone with yourself and be okay with being alone, then there is a serious, serious problem because we cannot ever base our happiness on things we can't control. And you cannot control another person. You will never be able to control another person. We can control ourselves though. We can control ourselves. And yeah. I, I, I concur, it's important to sit alone and, and listen to those feelings of sad and listen to those feelings of anger and listen to those feelings of hurt or, or whatever. Where does my role in the relationship come into? Where does the time to question, and I always have to ask it, am I the asshole here? Am I the one, not, not in a self-flagellating way and not in a, I'm, you know, I'm the victim. It's like, a, what's my part? Where does that come into it? Yeah. I mean, we can't all float away on a fluffy cloud of like self-love all the time. We do have to be realistic and say, if there is a feeling that something's wrong, that is indicating that either there's a problem with the friendship party or there's a problem with you, that some, some part of this is not working and some part of this is not okay. So I suppose that's a great question. And not a lot of interviewers ask me about What was my role in this? Did I contribute to this? And I think the thing that people find kind of hard when they read things like my book, How to Break Up with Friends, is a big part of it is talking about and communicating to the friend what happened and what upset you and what it was that they did that was inappropriate and being able to say, when you called me an idiot in front of our friends, it hurt my feelings. Please don't do that again. 
when you cancelled last minute on me, it meant that it wasted my afternoon and I wasn't able to do anything else. Please don't do that to me again. When you look at me in that way, when you speak to me in that way, it hurts me. Please don't do that to me. And a lot of people really struggle with talking out what's wrong and saying, when you did X, it hurt me. Please don't do X again because there's this fear that it's confrontation. And if I say what's upsetting me, I'm going to detonate some, you know, three, two, one, kaboom, confrontation bomb. And mm-hmm. it's going to be so awkward and so awful. And they're going to react by spitting the dummy or they're going to gaslight me and say how it's all my fault. But you, you need to give yourself and that person the benefit of the doubt that you can have a healthy adult conversation where all you're doing is saying in a calm voice with integrity, Osha, with integrity. Mm-hmm. When you did X... It made me feel why. Yeah. Please don't do it again. And it's okay for us to have those conversations, but a lot of people don't. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I remember not long after I got sober, I got sober in 2010, an old mate of mine invited me to stay uh, with his family. It was delightful. And right towards the end of my trip, uh, my buddy pulled me aside. He said, you're so much easier to be with now. Now, bear in mind, I had been sober for a while. And so therefore the medication that I was on was actually working and I was doing all the work my psychologist was actually telling me to do rather than just saying I was. So I was doing, I had done a lot of work and I was in the process of doing a lot of work and I still am. And my mate took me aside. He said, you know, you're so much easier to be around now. It used to take me a few days to come down after, after seeing you. But before I was sober, I just wasn't aware of the kind of friend that I was being to this mate. So how can we, I asked Dr. Tanner Carell, my guest today, I asked, how can we tell if we're being the one who's the toxic party in the friendship? We could be here forever if we discuss the individual behavior that constitutes toxic friendship. You know, you and I could sit here for two years listing, oh, and then they do that, and when they do this, and when they do that, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. But I think the best signpost is always going with the feel going with the feel. That's a pretty good red flag is if you're walking into an interaction, during an interaction, after an interaction, if you feel like something's wrong, like you feel guilt-ridden because of the behavior, you feel ashamed in some way, you feel icky and dirty. You know that feeling Mm -hmm. in your gut where you're like, oh, something's wrong. And that's when you usually call them to get reassurance that, was I okay last night? You know, that, that icky feeling that you get the next day where you're like, did I behave? as my best self? Or was I behaving out of control? Was I out of control? Going with the feel is is a really good red flag for there being a problem. 
So if you're walking away from that interaction and you don't feel like you behaved with integrity, then that is a clear message from the universe. This is wrong and you need to think about this actively. Don't passively go through this feeling, let it wear off and do it all again next weekend. Yeah, and then just to talk about the other side of things, when you catch up with a mate, you're supposed to feel better afterwards, right? What happens if we don't feel better after we see a friend? Is that a sign? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. That's the, I mean, it's both, it goes both ways. Like you walk away from the interaction feeling worse than before you went into it, feeling emotionally exhausted with less money in your pocket, with less time up your sleeve, oh, yeah. with less energy than what you had before the much-needed energy that you might have required for your job, for yourself, for your sleep, for your child, for your partner, whatever it is. If you're walking away from that interaction feeling worse than before you went into it rather than replenished, rather than loved, rather than supported, rather than refueled, that is also a sign that the balance is out of whack because someone's taken more than they're given and you're the one who's giving it to them. Right. It's kind of interesting in this country, we have this weird myth, this this lore, L-O-R-E, of the mates. You never let your mates down. Where do you stand on this idea of mateship and mates for life and no matter what, if a mate asks you, you got to, you know, this is particularly a male thing because I'm kind of interested in this because I feel, certainly when I grew up, I'm one of four boys and I went to an all-boys school and I did get stuck in a few of these relationships because of these rules that I thought I was supposed to follow, that mates are forever and chicks are for whenever and other kind of fucking bullshit that I, no, I swear to God, it rhymed so I thought it was true. I was 17. And what would you say to men who are listening about this idea that no matter what, you're always there for a mate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, friendship changes over the course of your life. It's scientifically known. We go through things called didactic withdrawals, and that refers to the shift in your energy as different stages of your life come through. So when you're at uni and you're at the uni pub and you're having daiquiris at the bar, it's a very different person. Yes, strawberry daiquiris. Yep, yep. Uh, and then when you're in your first job, versus when you're starting your own business, versus when you get married, versus when you have a child, versus when you're caring for your elderly parents, versus when you become an older person yourself and go into retirement. Your energy shifts where you have to invest, your energy changes. If anyone's listening who's raised a kid before, you probably know the first two years, it's basically you, mum, and the kid as you survive that period. So it's totally normal for friendships to ebb and flow over time. It's totally normal for you to develop different friendships as your social circles change based on your life. So this idea that we give a friend a hall pass to be a friend for the rest of our lives, no matter what they do, well, that's kind of toxic friendship in the making because you're allowing that person to know whatever they do, they're always going to be a friend. And in actual fact, that's selling you very short and it's selling them short because they can do better than that. And it's very normal. Your brain can actually only handle five, we call it the Dunbar number. The Dunbar number is how many very, very close relationships can your brain handle at any one time. Your brain can only handle five super close relationships at any one time. I'm talking about people you see every single day. I'm talking about your partner, your child, maybe a sibling, maybe a parent. And maybe if you have space, a really close best friend who you might talk with every day or every second day. And then as the closeness gets less complex and you get less close, 
you can handle more people at that level. And people shift between those levels up and down, up and down over the course of your life, depending on what stage you're in. So when you're 18, maybe four of those spaces were taken up by best friends. And maybe when you're 32, it's all family members and maybe one close friend. So it's perfectly normal for us to have a few very good quality friends rather than oodles of mediocre ones. Mm. And the second thing I'll say is masculinity. (laughs) Like It's such a complex quandary. And there's a great book called Boys in Crisis, which is all about how gentlemen are going through a mental health pandemic, which we don't really talk about. 75% 75% of suicides in Australia are men. Yeah. yeah. Eight people die by suicide every day in Australia. Six of them are men. Um, but there's between one and 200 attempts in Australia every day, which is yeah. fucking horrible. And you know, those stats have actually increased. So the last time the ABS, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, did this research, it was more like 60-40. So we actually know that this has been increasing over time and it's getting worse. And a lot of researchers have gone, well, why? Why is this happening to our men? And they think it's something to do with a sense of loneliness and lack of belonging. So when you're in a relationship with mates and you're all sitting at the pub, and you're surrounded by guys with the footy on and the beers in hand or at the golf club, you're physically in close proximity, which means I I literally mean you're sitting beside each other, but without the dialogue, without the discussion, you are not emotionally close. You are not emotionally intimate. And researchers, the Journal of Men's Studies are saying that male friendships are based on physical proximity and not emotional intimacy. So there's no discussion. There's no true discussion going on in those friendship groups or very little unless you happen to be friends with a a more progressive male because we have these issues with banter a lot of men do the the teasing and the bullying and as soon as anyone discusses anything emotional anything that's too emotional they get shut down and they get teased and one of the largest studies that's been done on male relationships by beyond blue in 2014 has really clearly shown that a lot of males are actually really unhappy with the quality of their friendships. There is so much more that Dr. Hannah Carell has to say, and it will change the way you are in your friendships. I loved having that conversation with her. It'll also help you have easier and more fulfilling friendships. Uh, You can scroll through to episode 389 of the podcast uh, to have a listen to that. We talk a lot about male friendships, how to forge strong and meaningful connections, and also how to end friendships that don't make us feel too good. Her book, How to Break Up with Friends, is out now. Her Instagram is great, nobullpsych, N-O-B-U-L-L-P-S-Y-C-H. Awesome. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you on Friday. Thank you so much to Bruce Steele, who wrote and produced this episode, Andy Marr on post-production, and Rachel Barrett, who executive produces everything. I'll see you next time. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic tees, soft, structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim. All made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.